Welcome to the Social Fishing Podcast. My name is Reese Creed. I'm a passionate angler and I want to share as much as I can about the sport we all love. On this podcast, we speak to incredible anglers, sharing a wealth of priceless knowledge, all to help you reach your fishing dreams. Thanks for joining us today. Now let's begin. Welcome to 2021. It's going to be a big year with big things happening at Social Fishing. We're going to be growing our membership, creating incredible amounts of content and also continuing to create these podcast episodes. Now remember, if you enjoy the Social Fishing podcast, head over to Apple Podcasts and leave a rating and a review. If you have an Instagram page, share this podcast on your story and don't forget to tag me at social fishing and share it with your mates who also love fishing now also don't forget if you want access to our exclusive content which includes over 14 monthly reports new weekly articles and videos access to our members community and the sf maps then make sure you join the social fishing membership and become the newest sf member By becoming a member, you will also be supporting this podcast. So head over to socialfishing.com.au to learn more. This is episode 48 of the Social Fishing Podcast. Welcome back to another episode and welcome to the very first episode for 2021. Let's hope that big things happen this year and that we can leave last year behind. Some way or another between the bushfires and COVID, it could have affected you in a big way or it could have affected you in a small way. But one way or another, you would have felt the effects of last year. So 2021, let's hope it's going to be a cracker of a year. Let's hope that those borders don't stay closed for too long and we can all get out there and catch some fish. So guys, in this episode, it's a really, really interesting episode and I really enjoyed this chat. Now, I'm actually talking to the two guys behind the Fish New South Wales Instagram page. Now, Fish New South Wales was born about three years ago by two guys, Andy and Ian. Now, they created it and the reason they created it is really, really interesting. Now, I'm not going to touch on it now because they talk about it in this episode. But before they talk about their social media page and how they grew it and what it's about, we talk about bank walking for Murray Cod. So it's a really good episode for those of you who aren't don't have a boat. The boys talk about and discuss their techniques for bank walking, how they do it, how they avoid you losing their lures because that's a big issue when bank walking. They also talk about how they learn how to fish. So they've only been chasing cod for the last three, four, five years. They didn't actually grow up with it. So they talk about the transition from chasing other species into chasing cod because they're not the easiest fish to catch. And obviously, a lot of you guys listening to this podcast are learning how to fish. You might have just picked it up last year or you might be like moved to the country from the salt or you're new to chasing Murray cod. So listening to someone who has only recently sort of learnt that both of them have only recently sort of learnt how to do it in the last four years. It's interesting to hear how they went from never catching a cod and their stories about how much effort it took and and how they got into it to where they are now and successfully catching fish on trips. So it's a really good episode. Uh, They're both very humble uh, Aussie blokes and it was a really, really good chat. So without further ado, let's jump in and talk to Andy and Ian from Fish New South Wales about bank walking for Murray Cod and also their social media page, Fish New South Wales.
G'day everyone and welcome back to another episode of the podcast. I have Andy Sullivan and Ian Breeze with me now. Many of you guys might not know who they are, but they are the two brains behind the social media page, Fish New South Wales. Guys, thanks very much for joining me. It's going to be an exciting episode and it took us a very long time to nail this one down. I'm not going to lie, but it was the longest sort of planning stage of a podcast. Just nothing went right, but yeah, thanks very much for joining me. Thanks, Reese. Thanks for having us. It did take a while, didn't it? We got there. We had we had a crack at it last week. Uh, we had some headphone issues and then a storm's come, coming through today and almost stopped us from doing it. But uh, yeah, we finally got here. Now, you guys, you were talking to me off podcast and you both love your freshwater fishing. We'll talk about um, the social media stuff in a minute, but we'll start with your background um, in fishing. You were talking to me, you didn't start and grow up chasing cod, did you? And you both got two different stories. So, Run us through those. Yeah, sure. So, um, uh, we'll start with me. <laughs> I, um, yeah, so I didn't really get into cod fishing until probably three or four years ago. I uh, grew up fishing with my dad and um, doing a lot of salt, saltwater stuff and trout and things like that. And we used to chase a lot of redfin as well. But was actually uh, a few years ago, my neighbor was like, oh, man, if you like fishing, you should... Um, should come to the river sometime and try for cod and ever since then i've just been getting more and more and more hooked on it so because you're based in canberra yeah yep yeah and so have you how long have you been there for did you we've you been based there longer than those few years that, that you've been chasing natives yeah absolutely man so um we both grew up here but i've done quite a lot of traveling and lived overseas in a few different cities around australia and Kind of came back uh, about 2010 and set up shop here proper. So, yeah, been in and around Canberra most of my life. And it took you – and did you enjoy fishing to start with? Like did you grow up fishing like everyone else, chasing those other species from real young age or, or... – Yeah, absolutely, man. So my kind of background is I'm from New Zealand originally. Um, so my old man was always into hunting and fishing. He was really big on the hunting um, when I was little – we moved over here when I was about six and um, because there wasn't the same kind of opportunities for hunting over here, he just really sort of um, turned his passion towards fishing and took me along for the ride, I guess. So he, um, yeah, so like ever since I lived in Canberra, we'd be down the lakes chasing um, redfin and trips up to the snows to Yukonbeam and Jindabyne, places like that. And yeah. then when, when I met Andy, his... Um, well, he'll tell you his story as well, but his old man was more into to saltwater stuff, so he kind of introduced me into rock fishing for salmon and tailor and that sort of stuff, and, yeah, it just kind of grew from there. I guess when um, – so I've always had fishing in my life, but as of um, – when I got my license and, and kind of got my independence, I used to go down the coast a lot and go away by myself and that sort of stuff and go camping, and um, then fishing just kind of – came back into the scene from there. So. We used to spend a lot of time, so from high school when Ian and I first met, we'd, you know, jump on our bikes and ride down to the local spillway and chuck on a few hooks before plastics were really a thing and chase redfin and giant carp where we'd land these carp, which took both of us you know, to lift the net out of the water. They were that big, so we thought it was pretty good fun. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, there was lots of that sort of stuff. We used to, you know, rummage around in a bin and find a plastic bottle, cut it up and turn it into a yabby trap and then catch a yabby and then try and catch a fish on it and stuff like that. It's good fun, isn't it? 
Yeah, absolutely. Especially when you think back about those simpler days, you think back and go, that was like you really did enjoy you know, growing up and learning and just the simple things. Like, I enjoyed chipping body grubs. Oh, that was great fun. I haven't done that for so long. It's like, yeah, it's good fun. So, so you guys met, you what, during high school, was it, you said? Yeah, first year of high school. Yeah. Yeah, okay. And that was in Canberra. You were both in Canberra? Yep. Right. So, what, how did the, did you get into fishing, uh, Andy? So, you would, did a fair bit of coast stuff. Yeah, so mine's fairly similar to most people's story. My dad, um, from... Cross Harbour area, or was always into the uh, beach fishing and rock fishing, like chasing salmon. And back then, wouldn't be unheard of for them to pull, you know, hundred odd salmon and tailor off the beach in one evening. And as yeah. a kid, like I always see him heading out at night, so tagged along to a couple of those sessions. Then, you know, during the day when we were allowed to sort of free range ourselves, we were always hung out at the estuaries chasing flatties and whiting and pumping nippers and chasing bait and stuff so it's just grew up around it and it's always been you know part of part of the background let me go back to you're in canberra you you know you caught carp and redfin you you went to the coast you did all that now how did the how did the transition into natives come about and why do you think you didn't fall into it earlier on uh, good question, man. So, uh, like, a, I think from memory, I bumped into a few yellow belly in the lake um, when I was a kid, but by accident, like on worms and stuff like that. And um, I just, I tried the river a few times um, as a teenager and in my early 20s, but just never had any luck and sort of never had a clue about um, what, like, what to do to chase cod and around here like they're really tough species like they are in a lot of waterways but they seem to be particularly um hard to tempt around here so i just i didn't have the resolve i reckon when i was younger to to keep going it wasn't until my neighbor um sort of introduced me to it and he had a bit of a clue and he um and so we started i started fishing with him at night on uh surface lures and that's that's kind of how i caught my first cod and the yeah, yeah. And how um, I got into it. And it was actually like the first one I ever caught was probably the smallest cod I've ever caught as well, which is funny how it goes like that. But um, yeah. that particular night, he, he caught his PB and it was just him and I fishing and I had to um, like jump in and lip grip it. And then that was like from that moment I was like, wow, this is sick. Like that fish was so big and powerful. And, um, yeah, just having to – just being a part of the capture – like I realised, it's sort of different to other styles of fishing when the, when you're dealing with a big cod um, that, you know, you whoever you're fishing with actually does really have a role to play in making sure that fish yeah. comes to net or into the boat or gets landed. And, yeah, I just I was as much buzzed out by, by just landing that fish as he was by catching it, I reckon. So. Yeah, how big was it? Uh, that was, I reckon that was probably 84 or 5. That was his PB at Yeah, the time. so it was a nice fish. Yeah, nice fish, yeah. And it was like a situation where we'd crossed the river. So most of the missions we do are on foot. So we'd walked in, um, waded across the river and kind of gone out to this big rock that's like right in the middle of a pool and we'd just positioned ourselves on this rock. And, and to get to land the cod, I had to climb into the water and I was probably waist deep anyway. Um, when it came up and came up the first time and had surface lure with both sets of trebles hanging out of its mouth and it took another run and when it came back up it just had one 
<laughs> so the well, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so the pressure was like you know it was there, and I remember saying to him, "Oh, I think I can get it by its tail." And he's like, "Don't grab its tail, man. You've got to lick grip it or nothing." And and um, yeah, it came up again, and I just slipped the grips in, and and that was that. So, but that was yeah, yeah, and then took a terrible photo of it, which I've never lived down. <laughs> Yeah, that, I bet. But, I'll... Yeah, that was kind of the um, when it went from like, oh, yeah, I'll give this to go to just going, wow, this is this is sick. Yeah, so that was the moment. Yeah, and I and I yeah. bet. And then and how long ago was that? Do you remember? Was that twenty? Was that like a, was that a summer so session been, chasing the cod? Yeah, so we're coming. In, we're, we're in November now, um, in close season. So I'm coming into my fourth season chasing cod. So it would have been what 2016, I guess. That would have been 16, like December yeah. 2016. Yeah. Yeah, wow. How good's that? Yeah, and then and then did you then Andy did you start to tag along with Ian on trips after that? Is that how cuz you guys obviously fish together all the time doing all sorts of other styles. Then did is that where it went from there? Yeah, pretty much. Uh these guys were heading out and the river close to us is accessible and when you can't get to the coast, sounded like a good idea and these boys were catching uh cod so I thought set myself a goal and I'll catch myself one, my first cod, and um, tagged along with those boys, uh, went down to the local tackle shop and bought myself a, my first surface lure, you know, big yeah. big surface lure. Um, what was it? Do you remember? Uh, what was it? It was a... Oh, was it the wrap? Yeah. The cooler bung wrap. I don't know what that's called. The shoelace yep. rat, you know yeah. what I mean? You know, it's um, looks like a red belly black snake. Yeah, yep. yeah, it's sick. I don't, know yeah. I don't know what it's called, but yeah, we call yep. it the shoelace rat. Got our own names for it, but yeah, tagged along with the boys, and um, for, I think I even borrowed a rod for the first first one because I didn't even have a proper rod to do it, and first cast uh, got a massive, you know, buff right next to the. Right next to the lure, and um, what did you say? First cast, first cast into the water, legit first cast. And boys are like, Oh, here we go, but didn't hook up. And that was the first of many uh (laughs) sessions without a fish, but um, (laughs) had to to stick with it like, not not just without a fish, but I had plenty of interest and boofs at the lure. But it took me 13 sessions to actually land my first fish. Legit. Probably had about <laughs> eight or so proper goes at it. Some of the sessions were, you know, two buffs at each cast after it, and I started to think that I had something wrong with me. Um, yeah. <laughs> that they just were fucking with me pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. And then you finally got their seeds, and it's probably – I know a lot of people who fall into it and kind of just get this big fish straight up and obviously we can only experience one or the other. You can only experience this one big fish or not catching anything. And I guess you, you kind of got a slightly different sort of story, Ian, where you you didn't catch the big fish but you experienced it straight up and that instantly you were like, right, I, I, you know, this is what I'm going to do. Whereas other people, and you can see if you don't experience what, can actually happen you kind of do you could get a little bit like oh this isn't worth the effort but then again when you do put in that effort and all those trips i bet that first cod was pretty exciting hey andy yeah i mean i think i was too far down the rabbit hole by then uh as a few times i mean some of these sessions that we did they weren't small sessions they were eight plus hours of walking around the river um yeah 
you know, from the crack of dawn to lunchtime to afternoon to 3am um, sessions and it was a few times where I was like, I don't know about this cod fishing, I don't think it's for me. And in fact, the the session that I got my first cod, uh, it was an interesting session, there was about four of us I think that went out that night and every single person except for me had managed to land a fish that night. <laughs> And it was um, getting on to... You had a wolf as well. Yeah, I had a few few attempts at it, but still no hookup. And um, it was, I think it was about 2 a.m. and we were deciding to call it a night finally. And um, I had the, had a bit of the sads, as you could imagine. Everyone yeah. else got a fish and I didn't. And we were on our way out. Uh, Not much of a team out. player, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We were on our way walking out and one of our friends... I mean, we'd already, everyone was ready to go home and one of our friends just stopped in his tracks and said, wait, I've got a feeling about this. We're going down and we'd cut down straight to the river. And he's like, here you go, Andy, have a cast over. And this is a spot, like I've got to qualify this with a little bit of kind of, um, I don't know, paint a picture for you. Like this is a spot that we must have walked past 50 times. It's like um, two little... uh, two little branches of the river that kind of then join a pool. It's super shallow and it just does not look enticing or promising. Or right, so you normally would skip time. it. Yeah. And our mate Dora, um, who got me into fishing, Simon, he's like, yeah, you got to, we've got to go down the river and you got to have a shot at this spot. I reckon I've just got a feeling and we're all kind of like, yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, I think I was even not keen to go down there because I was done for the night and I reluctantly walked down there. And he's like, cast over here. So put the cast in and then literally I think it was about three cranks, a big boof on the lure. And I finally yeah. felt that weight pull back and it pulled some drag. And I was like, wait, what's what's going on here? <laughs> <laughs> but the funny thing yes. is all the boys jumped in the river once I got it close to the bank and they basically surrounded this thing. There was no way this was getting off. <laughs> yeah. And they surrounded it to make sure it was landed for me. How big was it? I think it was only 50 or high 50s, I think. Yeah, they jumped in the water. Yeah. That's funny. Yeah, they There's no way we're going to let it get away. <laughs> yeah, that's so good. Yeah, that's the go. Yes, and then that, that experience, like, like, I know you've worked so hard for it, but it, it would have been, the feeling would have been unreal, yeah? Yeah, it was. I mean, that, like, I'd have to say, my first 10 cod, I think, were all surface cod. And that yep. top water hit is just amazing. Like it, you know, especially at night when it's pitch black and you've got your torches off and you're just listening to those lures like plop all the way back to you. But getting that interrupted by a big cord just smashing your surface lure, I reckon there's nothing else like it, just hearing that sound. It's good, isn't it? I'm just thinking about it now. You still have a fair bit of creek stuff and it's just insane. That The surface hit, like subsurface like this is what I this is what my thoughts are and I'll get you guys to give yours like with a subsurface hit you really feel the hit with surface you don't feel it so much it's all more so you know the sound um, it's just sort of weight after the sound and what I love is going out for a night session I mean mate fishing surface and I fish sub because if he gets a hit I get to experience it as much as him he just gets to land it but would you say that would you say that surface is your favourite way to target him? Uh, me personally, yes, definitely. Um, I think, like, it's just, I don't know, just that whole 
listening to the lures and hearing that big crack and coming through. And, and, and yeah, as you said, like you get just as excited listening to the other person. They might be a hundred meters. Else's, yeah. They might be a hundred meters away that. from you. hundred percent too. Yeah. You're cranking your lure in and you're running over to see what they've got. Yeah. yeah. That's the go. And, and Ian, what, would you have to agree on the surface stuff? Oh uh, yeah. I love surface. That's kind of well, that year that I started, we pretty much, um, most of it was surface fishing. And I think Andy started the, I don't know if you started that year or the next one, but, um, yeah, the second year it wasn't as productive. So we started to move away from surface to subsurface. So yeah, but I think that, I don't know, man, like it's a, the buff is insane, but that feeling of like the collision of subsurface as well. And just having that lure action interrupted by power. Is, They're two like, different things. Hey, yeah, yeah. I love that powerful feeling as well. It's sick. They're both sick, hey? <laughs> I think um, I like it. I probably like surface is more exciting, but subsurface yep. is more um, practical. Like you can do it all day and all night if you want sort of thing. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, they're kind of – it's kind of one's got its sort of application, one's got the other, and they're hard. it's hard to pick between the two. Everyone's got their favorite style. So what would your favorite styles of fishing be? Walking, bank walking, top water, or do you guys do much in uh, sort of boats in bigger lakes and things like that, or would it have to be bank walking a river? Um, yeah, or bank sure. walking, man. So we've never really – I don't know if we've actually targeted cod from a boat ever, <laughs> to be honest. We've done successfully. Yeah. Not, not successfully. We've never, never fished dams or – um, just yeah, all bank walking the river. So, so yeah, our yep. missions kind of look like drive somewhere, park, walk in, um, cross the river if you have to, or you know, yep. just start somewhere and pick a point to exit out. But it's not on Andy rocks the Garmin, and it's not uncommon on the Garmin to hit like fifteen k's and that sort of thing on some of those trips. So for the put, days, yeah, yeah, we're putting in like putting in some big distance but yeah i really like that man like even if you don't catch fish it's just good getting out there and getting amongst it all the things you see like around yeah. here it's not uncommon um you know you get the odd snake and stuff like that but it's not uncommon to run into deer and um pigs and yeah all kinds of other things that just keep you keep it interesting anyway so yeah, yeah, hundred percent. So most of your stuff, I'm guessing, would be the warmer months, summer. But once it cod opening hits, do you guys fish right through cod opening till pretty much close? Have you you done a fair bit in the winter as well? Obviously, summer would be the yep. go to for your top water. Yeah, hundred percent. We've fished um, minus seven degrees where your guides are all freezing up, your reels are freezing up. One, I think it was cod closing closing one year. I think I pulled the pin because I tried to do a pause on one of the retrieves and then I couldn't keep winding because the gear all froze solid. <laughs> so I just think I looked at Ian and said, I'm done. <laughs> We're gone. Minus seven. I think that night was, was not that enjoyable. Ooh, yeah. Was that a night? You guys went into the dark? Ah, uh, yeah. Yeah. So I remember one of you guys sent me a message um, about that guides and reels freezing up. I think it was in an Instagram message right back at the start and you're like, Oh yeah, yeah that was me. Yeah, yeah. I asked you a question on how you deal with it. Eh? <laughs> yeah. And, uh, I don't think there is a way to deal with it. It's just, yeah. So I was going to say, did you guys come up with a solution or is it, let's pull the pin if I can't wind? No, but I, we, we ran that as a question on fish, New South Wales as well. And the, the funniest answer was this guy was like, go home. 
Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. just got to go home. Go to the pub. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah we haven't really figured a way to, to solve that. Hey, you can tip water on it, or um, but even if you tip, if you have got warm water with you, which is kind of unusual anyway, but like it still seems to just freeze up again. It, so. Yeah, it'll freeze up straight away again. Yeah, that's pretty extreme though. It doesn't really get that cold all that like I've had it get that cold in the mornings for maybe a half hour window, but um, yeah, if you've got that doing that in like a full session then that's pretty cold yeah definitely and we crossed the well, river they... on that one too yeah so. we did yeah <laughs> waiters though we're in waiters <laughs> you might be an experienced angler you might have been fishing for 10 20 30 years and you probably already know a lot about what is out there but we can always learn a little bit more and that would be why you are listening to this podcast episode. Now you also might be an angler who is new to the game, who is learning how to catch their first Murray Cod, their first trout, their first golden perch or you might be looking to upgrade that size and or trying to get consistent results. Now I remember when I was a young fella, a little tacker, I did that. I went through that same process of trying to learn how to catch a fish. I still remember my first native on a lure. I caught it bank walking at Burrinjuk while my family was skiing. They were out there skiing and I was just casting a spinnerbait off the bank. And I remember it was incredible when I hooked up and I, I didn't even know what it was. I knew I was onto a fish, but I couldn't believe what had happened. And I landed my first golden perch on a spinnerbait. And then I remember my first fish from a river system, my first river casting cod, uh, casting a spinnerbait. But it was very, very far and few between. We'd catch fish on bait but we'd get one fish every four or five trips. But then over the years, uh, I went through a big long process, trial and error, learning, meeting lots of people to, and to where I am today where I can share and share that knowledge with you guys to help you guys catch fish. That is the point of this podcast and that was also the point and the reason behind starting the Complete Guide Lure Fishing Series. Now, if you are a beginner or if you're sort of in the middle and you're looking to get more results or to catch a bigger fish, I cannot highly recommend enough the Complete Guide series. I created it for you guys and I created it because of the demand of people asking questions, how do we catch these fish? And it's it's a bit hard to sit down and explain it in a nutshell. And the, what better way, I thought there's no better way to do it than through video format, getting out on the water and showing you demonstrations on specific logs, logs in fast water, logs in slow water, or how to troll, what, where to pick your trolling runs, how, to, how far out do you cast your lure when you troll, all the lures we use, what lures, what sizes, and it's more about what size lure, what hook size are on those lures, what's the bib on the lure for the diving depth, or what size blades do I run on the spinnerbait. So that way you can go and select any brand yourself without someone saying, yeah, this brand's the best or this brand's the best. You can be like, well, I can choose the brand that I want and pick those specs that I talk about for, say, a 90mm hard body out of all the different 90mm hard bodies out there. That's just an example of what's in the complete guide. Now, it's not just about cod, it's about golden perch as well. It's about trout and it's about them in all different environments. So you got cod in impoundments. We talk about how to target those trophy fish. Then we talk about chasing cod on surface because it's a different, totally different style of fishing itself. So the Complete Guide series, you can learn more about it at socialfishing.com.au. Head there, head to the store and then check out the Complete Guide series. Now you can get it. It's available as a big bulk pack. There's a couple of different packs. There's three available. One, if you're just into targeting natives, you can get the native pack if you want the complete set you can get the bonus pack which comes with a couple of extra things 
Or if you want a bulked up pack, there is the Platinum Pack, which comes with a whole heap of other awesome content. Plus, you get all seven of them sent to you on DVD. So they're available on DVD and they're also available to stream online through your social fishing account. So that's the Complete God series. Make sure you check it out if you're struggling to catch bigger fish or if you're just learning. It's definitely something that's going to fast track your fishing. We've helped so many people through that series. We're up to over a thousand people who we have helped and every single person has been happy with the content and I've not heard one bad report from someone who has watched the Complete God series. It's helped so many people and it just gives you that much knowledge to get from where you are now to catching more fish and achieving your fishing dreams. So go check that out. That's the Complete God series and it's available at socialfishing.com.au. Now let's get back to the chat with Ian and Andy. If you guys were to pick a month to go fishing for cod, bank walking, um, whether it's top water or subsurface, either or, and you're fishing, you're fishing the Bidgee down in Canberra, but this would apply for all sorts of different waterways. They all fish quite similar the whole the whole way through. What would be your go-to month if you could pick one month to spend fishing the lake or the river as hard as you could? What month would be your pick? I reckon I've got to say, if it was just one month, it would have to be April when it's um when you got that real transition from like around here, you're starting to get frost then. So when you hit that transition from the warmer weather and the you know the weather changes to frost, that's when um, the big ones seem to get caught, and that's yeah, that would definitely so be my go-to. Does your count go down in terms of numbers of fish? I had a really good April. Yeah, I don't know. The quality goes up for sure. <laughs> and you so still I, get good numbers as well. Yeah, in if you want numbers, like you're probably better off in December or January when you're getting that real reaction bite. Um, but yeah, they seem to seem to be, the bigger fish seem to be on the chew when the weather's getting cold. Yep. And then you would agree? Um, so I'd probably be more of the fair weather fisherman for the natives and um, pick like the, <laughs> the marsh just for my own personal comfort. Because we did a lot of night stuff uh it's much nicer to be walking around it, you know, towards midnight with shorts and uh, t-shirt on than the um, needing gloves and <laughs> freezing your ass up out there. Right. Yeah. So talk me through a session. How does a session go for you guys? Because it sounds like you do quite a bit into the night. So tell me what a standard session, a usual session is for you guys. What time do you head out? What do you plan to use first up? And and this could, you're, you're doing this in the Bidgee, but this could work on all, all manner of, larger sort of rivers for cod um where you are you've got a lot of rocks and things like that but other waterways that are full of timber it would work the same i've done quite a bit of bank walking as well so what's your what's your usual plan of attack session look like what time do you get out there how late do you go do you surface the whole time what's the go i guess we probably have two main types of sessions one would be daylight savings quite convenient because we can head off after work so everyone's done a day's worth of work um sort of aim to hit there probably around 6 30 a little bit of time get, um, get the sunset get sure. the sunset fish the transition light but get down there a little bit beforehand maybe fish a little bit of subsurface and then aim for the uh sweet happy hour type uh golden hour type spot yep. to swap over to the surface um 
you know, it takes us, depending on the spot, but it might take us between half an hour to an hour to walk into the spot. So we need to consider that um, yep. as well. Then fish surface and depending on who's with us, if it's Ian and just myself, we're likely to stay there until 3 a.m. Because, <laughs> because we both don't know how to say let's go home. Um, yep. But if we're with other people, they kind of get over it a little bit around 10 to 11 o'clock, which sometimes settles us down a little bit in terms of how late we stay out there. Yeah, I guess to you that's like, hey, hang on, guys, I'm just getting into the swing of things. We've still got four hours to go. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, that's it. And because I think, you know, the Murrumbidgee is not renowned for giving up a lot of fish as well. Like it's, you know, we're out there to catch a fish, so we kind of just want to stay till we get one. And yeah. early on you'll probably – find out if there's any action or not because we will get a few surface hits whether or not we hook up or not but you'll know yep. pretty early if there's some movement around and then if there is a fair few surface hits early then we'll more than likely stay there until we at least land a fish yeah so how do you go in the winter time what's the trip look like there so winter time probably be the complete opposite um more focus on daytime so from if I was going solo, I would be up at stupid o'clock, like four four thirty, drive to the spot and then walk in so you get at least half an hour to an hour before first light to hit the surface and then um as soon as the, the sun's up and it's um you know, that golden hour sunrise period yep. has changed, then go to subsurface and and probably stay there and keep working away until you know, lunchtime, one, two, three o'clock, depending on what's on for the afternoon. But that's, yep. um, yeah, that's kind of the two speeds, hey, like those night sessions, definitely always want to hit that. Whether it's dawn or dusk, always want to fish that period. And then, um, yeah, depending on, like what Andy said a bit as well, like if there's a bit of action, then it can either make you want to stay longer or kind of satisfy you enough that you're like, oh, okay, well, if we go now, then that's, you know, we've caught something, so... Yeah, so, yeah. And do you see some consistency in the warmer months, whereas the winter, your fish are just random? Like you could get it at 12 o'clock, you could get it at 11 using a subsurface or it could come first thing and that's it? Like do you find yeah, the winter? I, yeah, I definitely like, agree with that. I think it's a lot more, um, a lot less predictable in, in winter for sure. Like the bite will just, it just, it's more surprising, hey? Whereas, yep. it, especially if we're doing those nighttime sessions too, like when you lose using, when I first started, started my well before i started cod fishing my kind of idea of cod in my head was that they were just this sort of big mean lazy fish that just hung out on snag and um if food came past them they'll they'll pounce on it but they don't um but yeah that's kind of what their behavior is but i find now especially with the night sessions that they will hunt it down if um if they're in the mood and they'll, they'll be out you know searching around for the lure and um yeah and they'll come and find it and crunch it whereas in those winter winter sessions especially when you work in daytime like you know yourself too reese when you if you walk past you might be fishing rock and targeting rock or targeting fast water or whatever it is but if you walk past a big snag you're going to stop and throw a few casts at it too so i think that makes it less um yeah, less predictable what, what time it's going to happen. Like a lot of the time I think those nighttime fish are actually moving around, whereas those daytime ones I think they might be more opportunistic. Like, yeah, I'd have, I'd yeah. have to say though in summer that 
in the fish seem to be in the daytime in that faster moving water in the Bidji. Like we'd target, uh, you know, waterfalls or small rapid type things and more times than not we'd find fish sitting in the most random places in that sort of faster moving water. Yeah, like we expect to find a trout sort of thing, yeah. Yeah, so they're sitting in the flowing, sort of looking for food flowing down. They're just waiting to ambush pretty much. Yeah, definitely. I mean, last summer we were fishing this random spot and it was you probably wouldn't put a cast in there because it was shallow, um, small, skinny sort of uh, choke point in the river. And Ian was throwing around this frog and um, oh, just randomly frog. threw this frog over to this rock just on the outside of it and this cod just hit it and did a full flip over this rock. It wouldn't have been more than, I don't know, 30 centimetres deep. Yeah, you could easily water. walk across there, right? <laughs> and it was just sitting in there just waiting for food to come down. Yeah, how good is that? That is yeah, so good. That was so sick. That was so cool. And that, that session was funny too because we were confident and it was a day session. We'd been working away in kind of deeper water and we were walking out and we just decided to give that one last shot at that spot. And I just tied that frog on for um just because nothing else seemed to be working anyway it's like oh well if i'm gonna get a donut <laughs> might as well get a donut with something that's fun but yeah um, just a deep water donut and yeah that thing just surprised everyone just launched on it so yeah sick. that's the go and then so with the with the bank walking you do you're not like in those warmer months you're heading out um and you're really fishing into the dark late and you do a lot of top water now from the bank a lot of people who and a lot of people don't have boats so the bank stuff it's really good to have you guys on to talk about the bank stuff how do people go about your lures like do you guys lose a lot of lures it's a it's a big thing and especially i kind of the scenario you're in is much more forgiving for lures than a scenario like the Bidgee sort of downstream of Barrenjuk, um, sort of probably like 80% of cod waterways that are full of real heavy timber. Um, yeah. I'm not sure exactly what the kind of water you're fishing is, but I know a lot of it's bouldery. It's rock-based, yeah, for sure. Like yeah. there's timber in there, but it's um, like sandy bottom with big rocky boulders and stuff. It's kind of like it looks more like what people associate with gorge country. So, yeah, yeah. you're spot on, man. Like in that sort of country, I reckon you lose a lot more lures, but um, – Nighttime surface kind of eliminates losing lures, I think. But also, yep. if it's warm enough and it's um, at night, I'm not too keen to swim for lures. Um, but if it's summertime and it's warm, then yeah, if you snag up, just swim out and get it. And most of the yeah. time, or pretty much all the time, we take two rods as well. So if somebody snags up, a lot of the time we'll just leave it there for um, until we finish working that pool or that area. And then go and retrieve it so we don't spook the water by swimming out. Um, yeah. But yeah, we do so, like, yeah, we definitely do lose a lot of lures. <laughs> yeah, no denying that. The subsurface stuff is brutal. And I think that's why, maybe when I, I think that's why when I started to, I was more attracted to surface because um, you just don't lose it unless you like, you know, really cook it up and chuck it into a tree or something. Um, once you got your knots down pat and that you're not going to lose anything randomly like that so yeah yeah so what i was going to say it's a big deterrent of people um when they're learning how to fish just because like you're learning you're not catching anything then all of a sudden you're snagging you know you're losing lures and it can be a massive deterrent but you and you would say that 
that's why surface was a good starting option because if you re, your reduction in snagging is goes down a long way and that I would say that's probably one of the best ways to fish even your heavy timbered water is to do your arvo into night sessions using surface because you're going to lose a lot less lures yeah I think we find because it, it is a lot rocky and I think that's where you get most of your snags up is when somehow it manages to get wedged between a rock uh, or two rocks or whatever it is under yep. the water and that's why when you swim for the lure nine times out of ten you just follow the line and then you can usually lift the lure back out of the, the rock um what we tend to find though is if you're using your lipless crankbaits if you do like a sort of like a flathead retrieve a little bit like a hop and let it drop we tend to get less snags that way it's just something we've found and um yep. the cod still seem to find the lure and still seem to hit it quite regularly so it's just something we've noticed that it seems to yeah it works it does up. work really well to be snag resistant and it's a what's good that option. the lipless the lipless crankbaits yeah so we're talking about like like doozers and um your tn sort of style things which That's what i was going to say how big are they the ones you're using for the pretty crank. small man <laughs> oh anywhere from the so 60 the, up to the yeah i think a doozer is like 90 that's pretty much, i pretty much don't throw tns anymore i just throw the doozers um that's yep. the perfect sort of size there's i think yep. there's a vibe called a mazy vibe as well which is like 150 but it's like those plastics as well the plastic vibes once they get past that 100 mil they lose a lot of their action but yeah that yep. hopping action is um snag resistant but also when the lure is falling it's still still working so yeah a bit like a spinnerbait um it's working on the up and the down so yep yeah no i know what you mean and then are you guys running just the standard trebles um or just trebles on them and they still they go pretty well because i guess if you land on rock and sand bottom it's they're not going to snag too bad especially if you're flicking them up yeah so run trebles but i upgrade all my pretty much all my um rings and hooks the first time I lost a fish, lost a cod, was on surface because it um, was this huge buff. I think we both had a couple of – well, there's a few of us fishing that night and we both had a couple of buffs on it and, and um, absolutely smashed my lure. And I'm like, yeah, I'm on, and it just fell off. And when I looked at the hook, it was straight. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I, um, yeah, it's so devastating. And it's like, so since then, I upgrade everything. Yeah, but yeah it's a good lesson to learn. You can tell people a lot, like you can tell them over and over that you need to upgrade the hooks and they go, yeah, yeah, righto, righto. And they just don't, like I was, I'd had a trip this winter and um, my mate pulled out his big swim bait. I'm like, oh, he's like, these hooks are all right. I'm like, oh, I'd upgrade them. He's like, oh, they're pretty sharp. Like, they're all right. I'm like, oh, they're all right. Like, they're good, but they're not like as good as they could be. I said, I would upgrade them. He's like, I should be right. And he lost it. I don't know how many in a row now he's lost at Blair, but that was the biggest and he was hurt. It just didn't stick. And I was like, well, it might not have stuck with upgraded travels, but you don't know. <laughs> he didn't like me saying that. But yeah, it's almost like you have to have an experience like that, eh? To, uh, yeah, it's a, yeah, to... it's a hard lesson, eh? It's funny how we learn like that. Like the, yeah, like you say, you can tell people, but the surest way to learn is to kind of fall over. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and make exactly. the mistake yourself. Yeah the bank walking so that's how you get around without like 
trying to avoid losing lures. Obviously, it happens and that's just a part of it. When you do snag, like, and by the way, I, I can't believe you guys go swimming out there in the dark. Like, <laughs> are you guys, do you swim down? I'm going to talk about what I was talking about just then. I just thought of this. Do you guys, when you swim out, you know how you said you lift, most of the time you can lift your lipless crankbaits and that out the other side of the rock. There are times where you'll actually swim down to get it off and pull it off in the dark. Uh, I don't think I've ever done that. To be, I've done it in the daylight, but most of the time it's um, just because of the angle when you're on the bank, you're only accessing one side. Like most of the time, if you can just get on the other side of the lure, they'll just it come out. Yeah. yeah. I was going to say your game, and I know some people that wouldn't even bother them, but that's not for me. <laughs> not in the dark. I've done it a couple of times, but not a fan. Depends how much you love that lure, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. That's how basically the style of fishing you guys do. What's um What's your plan for this cod opening? Now I don't know this this episode will either be out just before or just after cod opening. But let's say for December, what's your guys' plan? Because this year we've had a lot of rain. Um, there's a lot of rain around. Rivers are not running stable at all. What's your both? What's your plan of attack? So I, I imagine you guys are heading out not long after it opens up yeah so plan is to take the day off and um hit the river but like take the day in, off love it <laughs> yeah totally man it's like a tuesday i've got the day off work already <laughs> so does andy <laughs> yeah just a random tuesday so i'll be out there as soon as um soon as i can kind of thing getting into it but as we're sitting here talking to you right now it's raining the river is we've probably had 30 maybe 40 mil in the last 24 hours the river was just getting back to a fishable height so it's really dirty um at the moment which can kind of accept that but dirty and rising is going to be really tough so if things go well and the river lets us we'll yeah we'll be out there throwing lures from sunrise until the late afternoon yeah so you won't if, do the um, night stuff yet probably not on the first day no but the right that'll on. probably be the next session yeah so hopefully you can squeeze a couple of sessions in in that first week the surface yeah. stuff's probably not great if the river's running um quite hard if it's up so you usually find that the the lures just get washed down too quickly and you don't get a great action on it so you probably wouldn't try the surface until it gets back down to a less of a yeah running state i guess so you Um, prefer the slower sort of moving water for your top water especially in the dark yeah definitely i mean um some of the some of the spots we fish top water not that wide so by the time you cast it out it's already um, back down below and you're sort of dragging it back up towards you uh we sort of had a bit of a debate last season um whether or not the fish prefer the surface lures running with the water or against it and um we've sort of had action on both but probably we find most of the time running down like towards you um we yeah, bring the it better down with the current with the current or just yeah. like across the current yeah so yeah down so down or across now what kind of current are we talking are we talking just like pretty still slow moving in a pool and you'll cast up and across or are you talking about it's moving at a reasonable pace that your lure comes in at like a curved angle do you, is what scenario are we talking about uh so probably what we prefer is the slower um where you can bring it back into you as an angle not the, not the curve um yeah probably because of the areas we fish not being that wide i mean if you cast it 
up and it's coming down at a good number of knots, then you don't get too many cranks and it's hard to get action onto the lure anyway when it's running yeah. that hard. So I just don't think it's really worth the, the time at that point. You may as well go subsurface and try to you know, entice something that's um, sitting in the currents there that might want to come out. So what's your – what's for the two of you, what's your ideal trip? Like you're talking about, let's say we're going March or April, um, right time of year. What's what's a what's a good ideal trip to if like can you remember back to maybe one of your best sessions you've had and how many fish you've caught and were they active because of the stability of the water was it the barometer can you remember any trip in particular that was just out of this world uh yeah so best session I've had was probably the one where I got my PB was a three fish session uh, and it was was unstable barometer, was coming into a storm, supposed to be, I think it was supposed to be, yeah, there was already sort of supposed to be a storm when we went out, but it was a couple of hours behind the prediction. Um, and the wind was, had like a wind versus current situation. So those conditions, like I'm always looking for those conditions because of that session. I actually bailed on that session because of the forecast. It was meant to be yeah. pouring rain, thunderstorms. Um, it was coronavirus as well, so it was just um, it was a two man trip. So Thomas ended up coming instead. The um, but yeah, so that was like uh, I think the wind direction would have been like northerly, um, changing yep. barometer, and so with that wind direction, it would have been like maybe northwest. So it's like literally just pushing directly against the current. So in that in those conditions, we're walking pool to pool looking for choke points um, because you get a situation where like the current's pushing down through a narrow rocky choke point and the wind's pushing it the other way. So we find that if there's anything actively feeding that should be around that choke point and they'll either sit if they're really aggressive, they'll be in the front of the rock and if they're um, less aggressive they'll be like kind of ready to ambush at the back on the edge of the eddy yeah and we just find that if there's yeah lots of bait in the area as well then it'll get pushed into those little eddies and gets concentrated either way it's going to get it's either going to get forced up against the choke point by the wind or it's going to get pushed through by the currents so yeah so they're probably that's probably what i look for is um changing barometer and wind versus current yeah okay and then tell me so that was that trip so tell me about i want to hear the rest of the trip what happened with these three fish in the pb <laughs> yeah so all right so um i went with um, my mate thomas he was first drop because andy bailed out and it was coronavirus time so we're only allowed to fish with one other person and he yeah. hadn't um he hadn't hit this spot before and i was like oh we'll go and walk this stretch and see um yeah, see if anything's kind of kicking around. And we'd caught fish through that whole area before, I think. And, yeah, we literally got to the first spot, and I'm like, right, mate, you, you're welcome. You know, gentlemen's rules, you can have the first cast into the um, first cast and see how you go. And it was like start of the pool, so rapids, that gives way to a few rocks. And he put a cast in, and I was kind of mucking around with a lure or something. And um, I think he might have even had two casts. And then my first cast, I cast sort of downstream where I normally wouldn't wouldn't cast, and it um, hooked into this nice fish about 65, 70 centimeters, yep. decent fight, and we're like, oh wow, man! Like, literally first cast fish, couldn't believe it, super stoked with that. And um, was this an afternoon? This was afternoon, yeah. 
Yeah, so this is afternoon. It would have been like two thirty, three o'clock in the afternoon, just yeah, before yeah. the storm was coming in and the weather yeah. was just starting to change. Um, and then, yeah, we moved down to – so it's the same pool but a deeper stretch where it's like the secondary drop-off. So you've got a choke point and then the – um, depth changes from about one to two meters to probably more like five meters. Um, yeah. So yeah, and same thing. I'm like, all right, man, I've already caught something, so you better cast up through this this choke point. And to get to this particular point, it's um, we call it Faith Rock, where you literally got to leap out onto it. And if um, the old leap of faith, and if you mess it up, you're just going to go in the drink. <laughs> so. Oh, we both six yeah, it's good fun, man. We both successfully like managed to jump out there and set up and same thing I'm like, all right, you have your have the first cast up through this stretch and see how you go. We've caught fish here before. Hopefully there's something there and he had a cast and nothing happened. So I put a cast in probably four or five meters in front of me, straight at a rock at in the middle of the choke point with a doozer and gave it one really good firm rip and then a little tiny hop and this thing just came out and smashed it, like hit it so hard that it um, yep. like put slack in the line. And I reckon I fish, I normally fish a not a locked up drag that I'll lock it up and then back it off maybe three clicks and it, yep. it hit so hard that it put slack in the line. And I actually thought yep. I'd missed it because I was like, oh, that was a huge hit, but it's not there. And I struck anyway. And, um, yeah, it came up heavy. And then it just hit the current and just took off and started pulling drag. And the rod was, like, loaded right up. I'm like, this is, this is huge. I don't know what this is, but I was, like, shocked, I, I think, because I hadn't felt that kind of power before. And yep. um, it ran in the current for, like, it wasn't a long fight. It was a couple of minutes maybe. Um, but yeah, got it sort of back to the side of the current and started to win the battle and it's getting, getting, um, it closer to where I wanted it and it came up to the surface and we both saw it and we're like, this is easily a metering. It's huge. And, um, yeah, yeah, man. And yeah, and brought it in and Thomas, um, jumped in the water with the lip grips and first time like slipped the lip grips in and I saw him go in and I'm like, oh, yeah, sick, you got it. And he's like, no, I haven't got it. And it spat him out and he um, went again and grabbed it and, yeah, got it. <laughs> so Nice. How big did it go? 104. 104. And that was your first metery? Yeah, first metery. First and only That's... at this stage. But it was, um, yeah, just one of those things. And we'd been fishing for, like I'd probably put in 10 casts total by that time in that session no way. it's just crazy and like the like andy said you know 13 donuts for his first fish like it's not uncommon around here for us to go five or six sessions without a touch and that's not just in winter either like that's sometimes that it can just be really tough like that so to see yeah two fish like that we were, we were ecstatic and it was yeah sick that's so good that's awesome yeah, love a, love a good story like that. And you get a good photo of that one? Yeah, really good photo of it. And I actually had the GoPro for that as well, but unfortunately didn't have it on for the hit, but I've got most of the fight on it as well. So got yeah. the memory just just there whenever, you know, That's the <laughs> which go. is pretty cool. That's unreal. Yeah, it's unreal. Yeah, it was so, so sick. And, and that was on a doozer as well. Just hop, was it? Yeah, just hopping it back. Yeah, just hopping it. Yeah, so it was like first or maybe second or third hop and it just clunked it and 
And, um, yeah, so we took photos, you know, did the whole thing, released it. We're both ecstatic. Tom was just as, Thomas was just as excited to have landed it that I was to catch it and, um, just kind of, you know, it's pretty special fish. And then we, um, yeah, we pushed down a little bit further to another spot and it was probably next cast. I got snagged and I was like, ah, I'm going to lose this dozer. Damn it. I should have just kept it and, you know, retired it, kept it as a souvenir and I had it snagged and I climbed like through a tree and stuck my rod in the tree so I could get on the other side of it to free it. And I finally yeah. um, got it free and I was like, oh, sweet. And we'd already fished that stretch as well. And I was like kind of stuck between a tree and a rock. So I was like, oh, well, since I'm here, I might as well have a cast. I cast out and brought a little back and it was, I was just lifting it out of the water and a really small one, like maybe 45, came out and it, it came out of the water and hit the lure as I was lifting it out of the water. No way. <laughs> and you hooked yeah. it? Yeah, hooked it, landed it, and I had the GoPro on for that one as well. So that was sick, eh? So it was just That's that cool. was definitely my most memorable session. Yeah, well, well and truly. Yeah, and poor, well and truly. poor old Thomas didn't get a single touch for the whole session, and we probably fished for three, two or three hours after that till it got dark as well. So. Yeah, yeah, it's just how it goes, isn't it? Just how yeah, it it's goes. funny how it goes like that. It's yeah. So what would you guys say is so one of your go-to lures? Um, I'll get you both to answer. Are uh, surface lures? What mod? What lure exactly and kind of size? do you each use in your surface and then outside of surface lures what would be your go-to lure so there's two two lures so andy what's your go-to surface lure uh i'd probably have to say the timber flash so um yep. the 180 mil timber flash uh yep. that has been probably the most successful surface that to date i mean it will catch that's consistent consistent yeah um i've even had like a 100 or 200 mil fish hit that on surface and get hooked up on it so catch anything from tiny ones to 80 plus obviously um sub surface i'd have to say some sort of lipless crankbait so either your tns or actually had i don't think they do them anymore but i had quite success on the slap walker which um insanity tackle used to do i think he's shut up shop now but um actually caught a water fish on that sort of style lipless crankbait so Yep. That'd be my two go to yep. with the standard yeah. hooks as well. Yeah, with the standard hooks. Which um, <laughs> talking about the upgrades was kind of funny because I'd got that that lure hooked up on rock so many times, and the hooks are that bad on it that I could just pull them off the uh, off the snags by straightening the hooks, <laughs> which the guys yeah. hated. So it's pretty funny. And then bend them back and, and kept using it. And keep going again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Save yourself some lures. Yeah, classic. Ian, what, what would your two go-tos be? Um, well, surface lures probably, I'm a big fan, like a small surface lure, the Cod Walloper, which is yep. um, it's kind of cheap and cheerful and they make he makes those in two varieties. You've got like a jointed tail one and a single tail one. I reckon that's like a dynamite imitation if there's bats around. It's just the yep. right profile and sort of size. And the other one I really like is... Um, the mud eye, oh, I don't know what it's called. Yeah, it's like a triple jointed um, mud eye lure. Um, Is it a wake a, bait or a paddler? It's a wake bait. That one. 
Yeah. Yeah, the smaller one, the rattlesnake. Yeah, the rattlesnake, yeah. that's the one. Yeah, 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 definitely that. And when it comes to subsurface, yeah, big fan of those doozers um, yeah. when it's warmer. But I'm also I'm starting to shift away from smaller lures now. And the, um, I've had a lot of success on the Zerich, um, I think it's called a live mullet or swimming mullet. It's a, yeah. like a jointed 200-mil um, plastic. And it's got hook points top and bottom so you can run an assist hook on the head of it as well which is really handy nice a bit of a variety of lures there so that's a little bit about sort of bank walk and chasing cod um how you guys got into it one other thing before i move on to the next question just when you guys started and we talked about this at the start but i kind of forgot to mention it when you were learning and starting out with you know chasing cod only in the last four or so years how did you, you tell me that story about how you guys just didn't get into it earlier because it just was so hard and then you, you met your neighbor and he sort of showed you the ropes from there how did you find um learning chasing cod how, how did you go about you know gaining more knowledge and experience was it heading out on the water and learning on that trip and from your neighbor um and then from there where did it go oh definitely yeah learning from other people um that we were fishing with for sure but also online, like I think social media and um, just watching, talking to other people online and watching um, YouTube videos and stuff like that teaches yep. me a lot as well. But also I think through social media, like it's really possible to connect with people that are in your local area and you start yep. to sort of pick up little tips from them as well. And that's sort of how it grew for you guys and then obviously your own time on the water. Yeah, and definitely time on the water as well. Like I think um, as much as you can get help from other people, you've got to go and cut your own path, especially when yeah. it comes to cod. Like the um, yeah, the last year, this last season that's just gone. That you know that experience of the metery was awesome. But after that fish, I went out by myself. Same conditions, like those conditions kind of came up again, and I just made sure I could get out. And I got a ninety in a really similar um, location all by myself um and that was kind of like you know when the the wheels started to turn of that not yeah. necessarily a pattern but just um time on the waters finally you know the results are sort of starting to flow for you yeah, yeah that's right like starting to um get some consistency or or yeah and definitely some confidence i think yeah. confidence is the key there like trying don't always try the same thing and expect it to, to change like yeah. one thing we've really learned is really question so you know you spend a lot of time talking about fishing and talking through theories and you watch other people and i mean the internet has so many people catching fish on every style of lure every style of fishing and you talk about theories of surface versus you know people have their own opinions on it you know don't don't do surface in the middle of the day with bright sun you know, overhead, but I can find a hundred videos of someone catching a meter plus, you know, in thirty degree day of bright lunchtime sun. Yeah. So really, just quite really questioning, you know, your style of fishing, and don't be afraid of trying new things. Like we, you know, would have stuck with surface and probably never went to subsurface, but once we've moved to subsurface, you know, not sticking with the crankbait, try a swim bait. Um, yeah. I've always tried to, you know. One season, I was like, oh, I've never caught a caught on a spinnerbait. So, you know, I'd chuck on a spinnerbait and really just try to 
uh, work do out. something different. So, yeah. Yeah. Really just yep. question, you know, the style that you're doing and just try different things. Yeah. Because there's general rules for like uh, fishing, you know, there's a general rule for chasing cod, but then different scenarios come down to the water you're fishing and the height that the river's at or the time of year, the day, and then even that particular pool, you know, there's all sorts of different variables, which is why you've kind of got to take that advice on, but then sort of expand and work on different things to suit that kind of exact scenario. Would you agree? Yeah, definitely. And that's where the top of the water comes into it. For sure. Yeah. Like knowing what to try and what scenario. Yeah, definitely. Or just like Andy said, not being afraid to try something out of the box. Like I remember last year, the frog, so that frog story, you didn't hear the end of that one, that that fish actually got away at our feet because it wasn't well hooked. And I reckon, um, so that was the one that hit him in um, full sun, in current, in fast water next to a rock. And I got it right to my feet and Andy was trying to grab it and it just turned and the lure just fell out. But that frog yeah. lure, I think last year we had action from like six or seven or eight fish um, when nothing else worked out and there was nothing else doing. And for some reason that it's just so realistic. It's not even overly big, that lure, but it's so realistic that it would just um, get interest when nothing else seemed to be, be working, yeah. So, guys, I want to talk about the, your Instagram page, the Fish New South Wales page. Now, you've grown quite a very large following um, and a very large you know audience on the platform can you take me back to how it all started why it started and kind of the approach you've taken with it compared to sort of the approach that most people take how it's sort of the way you run it is totally different in terms of it's not all it's not all about you you guys it's all about everyone so take us back tell me the story how did it all start Ian's pointing at me to start with it. Um, <laughs> so I guess uh, it wasn't really – we never really planned to make it into a big following. I guess we wanted to get more involved in the fishing uh, community and there's a lot of brands out there that are quite big and we thought, well, you know, we, we love fishing in New South Wales. We want to start connecting people together in a smaller sort of smaller community, not the whole of Australia. So then we come up with the idea of, well, maybe we'll start a Instagram fishing page um, where yeah. it's not just about us because, you know, we don't yeah, – it's hard to get out there all the time, but we still wanted to see what was happening around the place and see what's, you know, what's working, what's not working, see the trends and just generally see what's out there and get people – uh, yep. to contribute to that. So then we come up with the idea of Fish New South Wales, set up and How then started. How long ago was that? That was three years three, ago. Yeah. From three years so this ago was about October. when you guys started your cod journey? Yeah, it was probably the same season. Yeah, it would have been the year after, I reckon, for me. Yeah. So I would have had one year cod fishing under my belt. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so then uh, we really wanted to – just feature people and see, you know, get fishing reports and see what was happening in there. And, um, yeah, it's just started from there and we went out and started trying to find people and obviously the hashtag Fish New South Wales didn't exist then, so we're basically trawling Instagram for people's photos and then just DMing them and asking them was according Fish New, it was according New South Wales and, just start up conversations with them and, uh, yeah, we found yeah, that people asked the story of their caption, capture and um, 
and then yeah asking me if they mind if we repost it and rather than just kind of the old click repost and say the same thing they've said we we'd ask the um yeah a bit of background and anything they wanted to share about it and then yeah. we just share that information back to the public and importantly and what they didn't want to share yeah well. that's right <laughs> yeah like yeah and location. That's, that's probably one thing a lot of people don't do is that sort of that bit you just talked about there sort of asking permission because i noticed when you guys went to share a couple of mine you actually asked whereas there's a few pages out there that do something similar but they don't respect other people's content so i want to go out on limb and say you guys do a good job there and 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 well done on actually doing that step and then it goes back to the genuine also like how genuine the the page is um and then that's where it's grown obviously because people respect that yeah, we also wanted to tell the found? story too. Yeah, definitely. Um, there wouldn't be a case where we haven't asked. And I mean, most people are are good with saying yep yeah, and have a chat with us. And not not too many people have said no. And if they do say no, then that's okay. Like if you don't want to feature, that's fine. Um, yeah. But yeah, so sharing, telling the story is probably the main thing that we wanted to do and uh, share as much information as some as people are willing to um, because. Yeah. You know that's how you learn. That's how most people learn. And I think culture-wise, a lot of people used to keep a lot of information uh, a secret because you yeah. know we don't want overfishing. We don't want people to. You don't want a thousand people to run to your spots as well. Um, but I think a lot of people are willing to share a lot more information these days because of the whole catch and release. Um, and most of the people on the page don't tend to overfish and flog the place either. So I think, you know, it's a good community that's been built and everyone's quite friendly and willing to share some information to to their fellow people so they can learn as well. And that's also like that whole sense of community would be why it's grown so much. And your so your point and your goal of starting it was just to help sort of share fishing stories and just help sort of have one spot where there's these all these great fishing stories that people can sort of get inspiration from or learn from is that what the whole plan was yeah absolutely so we just thought it was um like you know yourself that everybody almost everyone you know who fishes regularly has got a good capture or a good fish to show off but it's you know rare to find someone that's catching something massive every time kind of thing so yep. It, it was just a really good idea and a good way to bring really good quality fish together. So it's like every day as a group, you know, we're on them. <laughs> it, there's someone different on them every day. So to bring it together, um, you can, when you're featuring other people, you can show off a really good quality fish every day. Is that what you guys do? You, you try to put something up every day? Yeah, pretty much. We pretty much post every day, so take it in turns the key rule of our page is that we're not allowed to um feature our own fish so by that i mean if i catch something cool and you can feature it <laughs> but i'm not allowed to put it up myself and is that versa. your rule is that your that's god's rule. rule you can't yeah. feature your own fish that's the golden that's rule yeah so, <laughs> how come that rule come about just because it's everybody else's instagram and my my personal page is the same it's like self-promotion so our pages fish new south wales is kind of the complete opposite of that so it's not to say that our fish wouldn't make it up there yeah we've both been on there a couple of times i'd have to pick it 
and write it up for him and he'd have to pick yep. it. But you're so still did your meter four go up? Yeah, it made it, it yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was good enough, Andy. It was good enough to put up. Yeah, I, was, I picked that one for over the <laughs> yeah. choices that I Just made there. the cut. Yeah, he didn't ask me though. I was a bit disappointed though because you know, I missed out on that trip, so he's lucky it made him up there. <laughs> yeah, I was, was going to say, but it made you missed out on the trip for your own sort of. You don't want to go out in that weather. <laughs> it's your own fault. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So it had to go off, I guess. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. So that's where it's grown. And and did you find a point where it really took off? With now, you guys would receive a stack of tags. Yeah, I, I'm. I've, I know. I see them all the time. Um, a lot of people tag you in their content now and that's obviously how you find your content to post and sharing people's stories but was there a point because you've been going for three and a bit years now you reckon or four whatever you said does it did it take a couple of years before it sort of took off on this massive trend did, did you did you can you remember a point where it sort yeah, of changed i reckon it's at least a solid year of um grinding away finding stuff until people started uh, really tagging and yeah. and stuff so now we get you know, we answer every DM. We're happy to have a chat. I mean, we like it because a lot of the time people are catching stuff that we don't get a chance to go out and do ourselves. So um, it's quite good to have a chat to those people and see how they how they do it, and yeah, uh, gets us keen to actually go chase other species as well. Um, yeah, it def- I think it definitely gives people like you can see that it gives people a buzz when um, they get featured as well like it's well received and people appreciate being put up there um and that's like that in turn kind of gives us a buzz to feel good about it when you know you're kind of making somebody's day <laughs> it's yeah. a nice um it is a nice feeling and but yeah i think in terms to the question like it was probably the yeah that first year was a grind and the set first to second year was when it really accelerated um, yeah, and then now you guys don't have to find content. It, you guys obviously receive a stack of tags for people wanting to be featured. Yeah, there's a lot more stuff that comes in, but we do um, sit there and like hunt stuff down as well. It still kind of seems to be the best way to to um, find something that's like that special. <laughs> yeah, special that hasn't got that hasn't been featured a lot or um, hasn't had the limelight on it, sort of thing. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, it's good and it's a great idea and have you seen anyone, I haven't seen another page that does something like that. It's more of, it's more so just about the people and the anglers, isn't it? It's like it's about them and their stories and it's all about those who fish in New South Wales. That's basically what your goal behind the page is. Yeah, that's right and anyone who's, you know, might be a good fisherman or not that, that well-known where, you know, they're the ones we really like to find as well like send us a picture and if it's makes the wall and we're happy to feature it and gives us a buzz too seeing uh, the other people get their fish up on our page and they might not have that many followers or not that well known and um, I mean everyone knows the big name it's because the fish are speaking for themselves as well they have like the cool photos or the cool fish it's um yeah and what we find is a lot of a lot of the anglers have their their niches of um, their species and their their way of fishing and so it's really cool for us to sit back and see all these guys who are specialist bass fishermen or you know they're really good at flathead or really good at caudal and really good at yellow belly and stuff so and the seasons that come through so we we get to see those patterns and the 
the people that uh, you, you know are good at those little areas and we you know it's it's kind of good for us because we're sitting behind the page and a lot of people were happy to share us some details that they may not or may not share <laughs> wider but because of the fish new south wales name they're happy to share it with us and um you know we won't share that on but, but that in turn will improve our fishing as well hey? so this path of you guys you know you, you did all this other style of fishing back in the day and then you know you've started off thanks to your neighbor you have to give him a real good thanks as well i imagine and then your neighbor sort of showed you a little bit what to do and then you've been out in the water yourself your lot and then you know learning through social media and now you've got this platform where it, it not only gives people a sense of community and they can share like they get the feature but you're also growing and learning from all these stories so it's it's a it, yeah it's a great platform and for people who want to follow you who aren't already following you what's it's fish new south wales so it's at fish new south wales yep that's correct one other thing about the page is you guys have an apparel range as well don't you on your website yeah we do yeah do you get good response on that just people wanting to wear the branding and then you do you get a lot of photos of fish caught that get featured just wearing caps or or shirts or things like that yeah, I mean, it's it's growing um, and it's good to see people getting behind our brand. I mean, it helps us continue running the page as well. Um, we don't, you know, we don't want to plaster photos just because people wear our brand. We want to stay with our, uh, you know, it's about the fish and the story. Yep. Um, we want to kind of stick with that so we don't try to plaster our page with just our own apparel. But, um, yeah, I mean, that was response to people saying to us oh when are you going to bring out some apparel and then we started looking at doing some hats and then uh you know we wanted to focus on a bit of that sustainability uh, look after your waterways and look after the fish as well so we did build a few of our uh, artwork around that which is you yeah. know the cod cod thumb is trying to get that release uh, of the cod and i think every cod fisherman knows that if they're stick their thumb into it it's like broken glass um putting your, your finger in there so uh no matter how big they are when you release it, it's quite easy to tell that you've um let one of those fish go so we sort of did that design around that and on the saltwater side we uh, around the dusky flatheads as well like trying to release them because uh, the rules in New South Wales let you keep one over 70, which is people's rights. So um, it was just trying to educate people a little bit as well to make their own decisions there. Yep. Great, great idea. And and that's what I mean. Obviously, the page started as something but with one goal and now it's evolved and, you know, you get people who want to wear the branding and want to wear the apparel and then if that's what they want, then that's something that you've obviously gone forward with. So that's awesome. It's And I love... Even after talking to you guys more in this episode, the the reason behind that it's just a, it's a great thing. So if you guys don't follow you boys, well, it's not really you boys. If you guys don't follow Fish New South Wales and pretty much stuff that happens everywhere, it's uh, worth jumping on, and it's a good way that you can find other people to follow as well. Obviously, as you guys were saying. Yep, definitely. Yeah, it's definitely a good resource for finding people like in your area as well, a lot of people that are happy to share locations so we'll you know it might not be a specific location of um you know a certain river or whatever but just a region so you, you can tell that that person's from your area and yep. um, that helps a lot i think when you're trying to learn and and progress your own fishing so yeah 100 percent i'll probably just mention that we've got a couple of how-tos on the website as well so we wanted to share 
you know, we're talking about those people that have niches of their, you know, might yep. be how to use a lure or targeting a certain species. So we really wanted to try to share that if people were keen to. And we've done a few on the website. We're always keen to have people contribute. Um, so if anyone's got a niche or something, they're welcome to contact us as well and we can work with them to share that knowledge uh, yep. a bit broader. Awesome. Awesome. So if anyone's keen on that, any of you guys listening, uh, contact you. And the best way to contact you guys is just a message through Instagram. Yeah, direct message is fine. We'll get back to them pretty quickly. Or on the website. What's your, in the website's Fish New South Wales? Yep, just www.fishnewsouthwales.com.au. Cool. And if anyone's interested uh, and doesn't have Instagram, uh, you guys have got the website so they can jump on there and check out that or contact you through that. Awesome, guys. That's been a good chat. Thanks for coming on. I've really enjoyed it, enjoyed the stories, um, especially that one that of that big cod where Andy decided not to come. <laughs> it's always the way. He's always going to regret it. Yeah. yeah. I'll, send Andy, you, what's I'll send you the video. Not when I beat him on my this season. I won't regret it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> What's your PB, Andy? Uh, 83 off the surface. Um, I actually caught two in two casts that night and another one on eight, another 80. We actually thought it was the same fish until we brought it up and measured it. Um, thought it came back for a second go that night. That's it was, crazy. It was good fun. You got two 80s off the top. Yep, yeah, in two casts. So it was consecutive. That almost beats Ann's meter. Four. Yeah. <laughs> it was funny though because uh, I was fishing with a friend and he he hates having your head torch on. If you've ever been at night, you've got to make sure you don't shine your torch on the water. And yeah. I was sitting there and I was standing in the water and um, I said to him, I swear there's a fish right next to me like in the shallow water. And I'm, I'm going to turn my light on and he's yelling at me, like, don't turn your bloody light on. Anyway, <laughs> so I was in the retrieve coming back and literally like as it was probably – 20 metres out from me, that fish had must have come back out from the shallows and just smashed that surface lure within 20 metres of me. So it's pretty really? lucky. Well, your head torch that. was on? No, I didn't actually turn it on because I got yelled at. So, oh, okay. Um, right, because you got yelled at. Yeah, yeah, lucky I didn't do that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. Well, I've had, um, yeah, I've had a mate of mine fishing. And, and, and it's a funny thing because you know how we talk about the no light on the water. Um, and it's the same in impoundments, like it spooks fish. But I'll have to go out one day and do a session and fish and try and do sort of like an experiment. I don't know how you'd get the variables right, but actually fish with a headlight on and see, for, you know, for to get the exact answer of, you know, how much it does affect them. Does but it I'm affect pretty, it, yeah. Yeah. That would be yeah, really yeah. cool. Be a yeah, because cool you don't know, hey. like, it, it, I'm pretty sure we're right. Like we're 95% sure that it makes a difference, but I don't know how you do it because every night's different. The only way I can think of doing it, I don't know, is to do five trips with a head torch on versus five trips. Or I was thinking you could fish one mate ahead of you about 50 meters or 100 meters and then you fish behind them with a head torch because once we got a cod out of a pool, um, it was only one fish, but we'd worked it and we'd moved on. And the boys behind us uh, were fishing. They turned the head torch on because they were we were doing a video. So the fellow very last was kind of helping film, but just having a cast as we were going. And I think we were doing a segment up up front, so the lights were all on. And he ended up getting one on the pool out of that pool with the head torches lit up that whole area, which was confused us. But fish will do anything at any stage, and 
absolutely confuse the norm. But yeah, to be something cool to test. But I had a mate fishing and he cast and got a boof and then cast it back out and snagged on a log and he was flicking it and he he thought he'd ruined the spot like he'd snagged, ruined the fish, turned the head torch on and the cod was a big cod. I think it was 95. He ended up cashing it. was eyeballing it like two inches oh, from really? the log. Yeah. I'm trying to take it off the log. <laughs> yeah. It, well, he no, he was just always sitting there looking at it. So he's flicked the head torch on and the eyes have reflected straight back at him because it was wow. looking straight at him at a distance, but oh, probably eight meters or so, not that far, like just there. And um, probably 10 meters, maybe. No, not even. And it was eyeballing him. He's turned it off straight away and gone, what do I do now? Because it didn't spook. And he somehow flicked it off. So he did... snagged at this point as well. That's crazy. He snagged, yeah. So he snagged on like a little twiggy thing that wasn't there on the first. Like it was there, but he must have missed it on the first retrieve. It was just one that's just sort of poking out of the water. And he just snagged on it. And he ended up getting off. And three cranks after getting it off, it ate it. And he got 95. That's yeah. so sick. I reckon yeah, that's to go. That'd be a good experiment to do. Five people, yeah. five nights, look torches on, and then the next time, no yeah. torches. It's just who's got that much time to, you know, yeah, five trips right. to try. Yeah, like, right. If you go out, you're like, I want to catch fish. So, yeah, I've never done it, but I'll do it one day. I'll try it. I'll, <laughs> then if somebody, I'll be... yeah, if somebody catches one, you need them to swap and either not be on the light or for light on the team to see if it's yeah. them or the light. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but it's something i follow massively in the dams is um yeah don't shine like no lights at all because it, it makes sense like you want everything to be as natural as possible um totally. and that's that's why we use lures that are na as natural as representing what they're going to eat and you know all comes down to the way your lure goes through the water like you're talking about with your surface lures and yeah so definitely for everyone out there listening who's going to start fishing surface anything lights off at night um but i may do this experiment one day yeah so um guys thanks for that thanks for joining me in sort of a midday during the week um and good luck with the cot opening however it goes yeah thanks yeah. Reece. thanks for having us mate no, that's all right because really? i know you guys are listeners of the podcast and um you listen a bit and you've um sent through a couple of ideas for people that i could get on to have a chat with and then no, I'm glad you guys joined and were keen to join me for an episode when I offered. But um, it's been good to have you on. It was a good bit of chat about sort of something that we don't talk about enough, which is, you know, that land-based chasing cod. Uh, and it was good to get your insights. So I hope you guys enjoyed it. Yeah, it was great. So, yeah, thank you. And it was great to have you guys on. So um, thanks again. Good luck with cod opening with that water height. Uh, fingers crossed you can get onto them. But um, everyone go follow the fish new south wales page and ian and andy thanks for joining me and i'll um good luck with cod opening thanks for always our pleasure good on you mate cheers so there you have it guys another episode done and dusted and i hope you enjoyed this one whether you're sitting at home just chilling uh, maybe watching the cricket being summer or you might be on the road heading to a fishing session. Now, I know a lot of you guys love listening to them on the road. So, I do hope they give you a bit of inspiration or the fact that you can learn, hopefully you can just learn one thing from every episode. I know a lot of you out there know how to fish, know what you're doing. But by listening to one of these episodes, it's good because you could pick up just one small thing that someone else knows that you don't. And that way, you're always growing and always becoming a better angler. Now, remember, if you want us to do episodes on any specific 
specific topic at all, please send them through. You can send us an email at admin at socialfishing.com.au or you can message me on Facebook. But you can also submit listener questions. So, we have an episode where we cover different listener questions. So, you can actually submit them through the Social Fishing account. So, you can create a free account and you'll also get access to the Freshwater Mini Series, which is a series we created uh, to help you catch fish. It's totally free. Uh, you'll learn how to catch Murray Cod, Golden Perch and Trout. In it goes for over two hours. It's a full produced series and we, we put a lot of effort into it and it's totally free and you can check it out. Uh, go to socialfishing.com.au and click join and sign up for a free account. And then obviously, if you want more in-depth content, uh, you want more you want the reports, you want more access to more content, then you can upgrade and become a Social Fishing member from there. Now guys, if you enjoyed this episode, make sure you take a screenshot, whack it up on Facebook, Instagram, whack it up on your story, tag me and also Fish New South Wales so the boys know that you enjoyed or listened to this episode. And if like I said, if you want us to interview anyone in particular, please let me know. Also, head over to Apple Podcasts and leave a rating and a review because we would love to hear your thoughts on this podcast and the content that we create. So, it's 2021, guys. I'm super excited for the year ahead. We're going to pump out more of these episodes. We have plenty more in the pipeline. Just a couple that are coming up very soon. I'll have Roman from Gugong Green and Gold Productions or Roaming Productions. He fishes Gugong all the time. So that episode with Roman is going to be an absolute cracker. Also, we have in the pipeline a bait fishing episode, a full dedicated bait fishing episode with Chris Cottrell. So that one, Chris grew up bread and butter fishing. Uh, he loves his bait fishing. He's got his young girls that he takes out all the time. So it's a great style of fishing. Uh, that is a crack over an episode coming up as well. So guys, 2021 is here. Fingers crossed for a great year. And like I said, there is so many awesome things in the pipeline for us at Social Fishing. And it's more about you guys. It's about what's in the pipeline for you guys because we're creating content to help you. So if you want more content, like I said, if you want exclusive content, check out the Social Fishing membership at socialfishing.com.au. And I will be talking to you in the next episode of the Social Fishing Podcast.